0: Welcome to the Non Roster Invitees, a Sports Podcast. Find us on Twitter at the NRI Podcast. That's at the NRI Podcast. I am Ben Phelps with Brandon Buzzkirk as my co host. We are back with you for another week and we have a fully loaded episode with a lot to get to this week. We're so grateful you're here to listen to us. We appreciate you being with us every week. But before we get started, We want to take a moment to honor and remember the fallen in the 9-11 terrorist attack on the World Trade Center back in 2001. To all the living and deceased people that helped with the rescue effort at Ground Zero and wherever else there were issues that day, thank you is just not enough, but we thank you for your sacrifice. Brandon, uh, as far as sports go, I got to be honest, after what happened in Ames yesterday, I don't even want to talk about football, but of course, I'll do it. Uh, So how's your weekend, Ben? Yeah,
1: man, we got football, tennis... Uh, Golf, women's basketball, baseball. Uh, I mean, we have a litany of sports this weekend. It's been a great weekend looking at that. I know the U.S. Open Men's Final is today. Looking forward to that. Seeing that Djokovic can uh, round out the year Grand Slam, which is huge in tennis if you follow tennis with that. But go back to 9-11, Ben. We're at that age where that's one of those – like. Like, where, where were you when JFK was shot, right? People remember that. That's one of those iconic things that happened where, like, our generation, we remember exactly where we were. I mean, it's, it's weird thinking about that for the past couple of years. I've had sixth graders that are born after 9-11. It just blows my mind because it's just one of those things in history that me and you will remember forever. I was a junior in high school. I remember waking up, and my parents just kind of had it on the, on the news in the background. We weren't really paying attention because there was four of us. It was busy getting out of the house. And I remember just going to first block history, and we just pretty much the entire day just watched the news that school day talked about it kind of just kind of being flabbergasted of like what is going on what do you remember that day
0: or what were you Um, doing i woke up i was at northern illinois university and i woke up late for class of course so that but usually i did turn on the tv at least to sports center the news or whatever while i got got ready but i was so late i got out of bed threw shoes on went to class in pajamas and as i'm walking across campus it was dead silent. And I was literally thinking like, okay, what former president passed away? What? Cause it was just a weird, eerie feeling. Cause again, I didn't, and I didn't have a smartphone at that point. So I'm walking across campus trying to figure out what was going on. And then, um, I walk into my classroom this is supposed to be a lecture hall with like 300 people there. There were about 40 of us all going, what, what happened? Prof walks in and just says, How many of you came here today and haven't turned on a TV or a radio, and we all rose our hands, he turned the TV on, and we just see one of the towers on fire, and we just sat there for about an hour and a half stunned, and once the prof turned the TV on, he's like, like, class is obviously canceled. Went, last one out, turn the TV and the lights off. We'll see you next time. Yeah. And so, yeah, it was just a surreal day. Yeah,
1: yeah. So, bring the, thank you for bringing that up for the uh, 9-11 tribute. For 20 years, it's been just crazy. So, think about those 3,000-plus that lost their lives that day. Um, so, let's move to something more joyful then, right? Let's move into sports. Let's take our minds off it, yeah?
0: Let's do that. Let's get that. Use sports for what they should be, and that's a reprieve from daily life. So this week, Brandon and I are going to reflect on the early wave of NFL games as it's opening, full opening day. Uh, We tell you what left us satisfied and smiling. We'll look at some straight up weird things that are happening in baseball, along with an update on the MLB playoff race. We'll get fired up with Grinds My Gears and wrap up with some trivia and or facts from Brandon. For those worried and or upset that I didn't have the normal music for this next bit, (laughs) Relax. Take a deep breath. It is back. It's time for Brandon's box of mystery topics. Brandon's box of mystery topics. Brandon's box of mystery topics. It's
1: a mystery. Brandon's for box you. of mystery topics. All right, Phelps, leading you off here. Breaking news: The Los Angeles Lakers sign. Michael Jordan, making their roster older. Would you believe that if I told you that?
0: At this point, I probably would. I, at this point, it wouldn't shock me. Michael's like, you know what, all these upper 30s guys, I can still play. Let's go. I'll give you 10 minutes a night.
1: Obviously, I'm Jay Kane, people. There was no news this week with Lakers, but I just wanted to make a humorous point that they keep signing these old, old people. Anyways... For real, though, Um, Paul Pierce came out that he left ESPN because he was tired of talking about LeBron James all the time because that is what ESPN kept pushing. Are you on Paul Pierce's side on this or not?
0: I, to a degree, yes. Um, I I don't want to be a jerk here, but as little NBA coverage as I watch, I've just never been impressed with ESPN's coverage compared to TNT in general. But it doesn't surprise me that ESPN would be pushing that on their employees. Going all the way back to the Tebow days when he was at Florida, there are former ESPNers, as they call themselves, that said they all but got memos from management saying you cannot use the words Tim Tebow enough, so it wouldn't shock me if the same is true with LeBron. Yeah,
1: yeah. Uh, I haven't heard anything else uh, falling out from that, like ESPN saying, no, we we don't push that because... I mean, LeBron James has always talked about it. He's generally talked about in a, a, a good light because the NBA star power these days is just insane how they can control media. And LeBron James controls media. Let's, let's make a point about that. So I give it up for Paul Pierce for quitting. If that is true, saying I'm done of talking about LeBron James all the time and I'm going to quit. He doesn't need it. In fact, he just made it to the Hall of Fame. So congratulations, Paul Pierce.
0: Yeah, long career, long lucrative career uh, getting paid in the NBA. So I, I'm with you. If it's, if it's not fun for you, why do it? Go ahead and uh, enjoy your retirement. Oh,
1: yes. Uh, Next one. I don't know if it's just you or if it's just me or if it's just me or if it's everybody else, but I am so tired, Ben, and I've had enough of just talking about Stephen A. and Max Kellerman and what happened, and Stephen A. wanted him off his show, and now Max has his own show. I don't care. I should have used this for my rants. Dang it, I should have used this for my rants because I don't care that much. (laughs)
0: <laughs> I'm with you. I, Brandon, Brandon and I text, I think Brandon and I text you complaining what, at least three times a week that ESPN is choosing to pay Max Kellerman or Stephen A over some credible journalist that is leaving. I, they, they've turned into hot take TV ESPN for the things that they do well. I don't understand why that platform is popular, but I guess it is, and I guess we're stuck with. Stephen I mean, I'm a- ready. I, I know
1: ESPN's supposed to just cover sports, but it's just been this drama with them. I'm ready for them to have like a real world house with just Stephen A. and Max in it, and that's what ESPN's going to do.
0: Ah, uh, that's a good idea. Revive the real world on ESPN with Stephen A. Max, and just find the other craziest people in sports <laughs> you can, and stick them in a house for a yes. month. Um.
1: Uh. Next. In the box, we have, it came out this summer that Texans were looking for a combo of six players and picks for Deshaun Watson. Are you surprised that nobody stepped up to the plate and gave that to the Texans?
0: Not surprised at all, especially while we don't know what's going on with the legal situation. Is Deshaun Watson even going to be available to play Uh, until that side of it is sorted out? why would you invest that kind of draft capital in a quarterback that you don't know if he's even going to be able to suit up for you? So not a surprise to me. Yeah,
1: that seems a little bit insane for me as well, which doesn't surprise me. It's the Houston Texans. Um, All right, so let's jump into our college football week two snapshot. I got a couple of quick hitters for you, Phelps, like we did last time. I thought that was a good segment of covering a lot of college football. Quickly, uh, so just start off the bat, same thing as last week, which teams took care of business? Uh, Our preseason we talked about which teams are still taking care of business.
0: Uh, teams that took care of business. Um, I'm going to say that's such a good question. I, I mean, there was, I guess the two that stand out to me are in the PAC 12 and I'm going to mention them again in just a few minutes. So I'll leave it at, I thought Oregon and Stanford both had just Show up, you need these wins, get them, and get out of town, and they both did that.
1: Okay, yeah, so I have five topics, viewership, so I kind of split my teams a little bit evenly going through. So teams that took care of business to me, Georgia, once again, without JT Daniels, took care of business, no problem. Bama took care of business, no problem, no surprise there, they weren't playing any big-time teams at all um oklahoma just they should have called that game after the first quarter it wasn't even oh. fair it wasn't even fair and then you know what my surprise pick here is sdsu against arizona they took care of business no problem with that win so far two on two and oh in the pack 12 i mean sorry
0: uh mountain west i'll throw uh, i'll throw i'll throw one in there too to that brandon i i'm sorry i was looking at the wrong part of my notes when i gave my two so my bad but amateur hour here <laughs> uh Arizona State also, you're yeah. you're at home against UNLV. It's not a good program. It shouldn't be a close game. And Arizona, it did a little slow start, but in the end, dominated like they should yeah. have.
1: Yeah. Um part uh two to this question is what teams won, but it got a little scary. Like I was kind of ruined that these teams was to lose, but they pulled it out in the
0: end. Uh the one that stood out for me Notre Dame. Uh Notre Dame against Toledo and then um Oh, who was it? Who played App State? Uh, was that Miami? Miami. Yeah, the, so those were my two that uh, both Notre Dame and Miami could easily have lost those games, uh, but hey got the drives at the end that they needed to to get out with Ws.
1: Yep, I had both of those. And then I threw Texas A&M in there as well with Colorado. Texas A&M is ranked fifth in the nation. I know they lost their quarterback in the first quarter, but when you're fifth in the nation, you tend to have better depth than everybody. I know Colorado is primarily a tough team to play, but to win on a last-second touchdown to win 10-7, it didn't leave me with high hopes of Texas A&M. They were my dark horse sleeper pick when we talked about them, challenging Alabama. Uh, I'm kind of changing that now. I wasn't impressed by them at all.
0: Yeah, I mean, Colorado is always tough in Boulder with the elevation, especially if you're not used to playing it. Teams kind of, especially in Colorado when they were in their heyday in the 80s and very early 90s, teams would hit a wall up in Boulder. But A&M, Brandon, to me, is just one of those programs that it's this every year. As long as there's no expectations, they'll win a game that they shouldn't. But as soon as a Texas A&M has expectations, they seem to always fall short of yes. them.
1: Um, so let's go a little bit negative before we get re-positive. Who, which team or teams had the worst loss of the week?
0: Oh, gosh. Can't wait to talk about this. Uh, i going to start with the stupid Iowa State Cyclones. It's a September game, so Iowa State sucks. I'll have plenty more on that and grinds my gears. Spoiler alert, folks. Uh, the other two teams that I thought just horrible, horrible losses, uh, Florida State you know, for all the good feelings, and Mackenzie Melton came in after the horrific knee injury, uh you know, kind of brought them back against Notre Dame in the second half. People like, oh, Florida State's not there, but they're on their way back. You turn around the next week, and you lose it home to uh, Jacksonville State. LOL, Florida State, you paid 400 k for that loss. And then Texas, welcome to the <laughs> SEC, Texas. You lose to Arkansas. Uh <laughs>
1: So fans, uh, our fa- our friend here, uh, Ben Phillips. So hardcore Cardinals fans, which Cardinals have had ton of success, championships. Uh, he was a hardcore Ohio Ohio State fan, championships, and so his one school with Iowa State that he he loves. Uh, born and raised loves. He 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 is a kindred with me because my San Diego sports are the same way, that even when our team is good, they still embarrass us and they still make us sad because they don't reach that next level. And that's what Iowa State did this week to them. Um, so Saturday was a little rough for you, right? Saturday was a little rough for you?
0: Oh, it was beyond rough. And by the way, on Ohio State, I just want to make it clear. I am out on them. The Dr. Richard Strauss yes. thing, if you don't know what that is, look it up. Yes. I loathe all things Ohio State. But yes, Iowa State did exactly what they thought. I'm going to, probably be screaming about it at the end of the show so yeah it, saturday was rough man it was a rough yeah, day it's the worst
1: loss of the week on my list i have iowa state of course as well um, usc i was just touting them after week one for beating san jose state and it was a good win from them 1-0 and then stanford comes in with a sophomore quarterback making his first start and just they just stomped usc usc looks so bad uh that was a terrible loss for them uh, I have Texas as well, losing to Arkansas, and then FSU, Florida State again. After week one, saying the coach saying, that's an embarrassing loss. We can't have losses like that. Week two, it seemed like he just hit uh, the repeat button on his recorder because he said the same exact thing.
0: Yeah, it was almost a premonition there of <laughs> bad things to come, but I'm sorry, I just can't stop, help but stop laughing at Texas. You can't handle a bottom third SEC <laughs> team, but yeah, take your, take your ball and blow up the Big 12 Conference. Brandon, as an SC fan, I, I hate to say it, but Clay Helton's gotta be gone yeah. soon, right?
1: Yeah, I would think so. I would think so All with right. that. Yeah, it's just a bad loss. You had the people. I mean, I'm not I'm not I'm one of the people not sold on uh Slavis as the as the as the quarterback either. He's okay. He's okay. I don't think he's anything special. He doesn't make he doesn't lead your ke- teams to comebacks.
0: Well, and I don't think Graham Harrell his scheme with what Slovis is really best at, I don't think the scheme they use really truly fits him but again that we could probably talk for hours about that with usc
1: yeah so we're going we're jumping into um uh best win and then best meaningful win we'll start with best win they're a little bit different best win is just who had the best win overall this week and best meaningful win is what what win this week really defined and helped what that program is um whether taking it to the next level or just it was a great win from that week so let's start with best win Uh, phelps who do you got on that list
0: I got two. Unfortunately, man, sorry, I have Stanford here, especially after a slow start in week one where they got dominated by Kansas State 24 to 7 on the road. I don't think scored till the fourth quarter. Again, sophomore quarterback walks into the L.A. Coliseum. They take the lead with nine seconds to play in the first half against FC and never looked back. Uh, And then the other one I had that was a little bit under the radar, I feel like, big in-state rivalry. But BYU beating a ranked Utah team, I know it's a rivalry. Anything can happen. But look, you're BYU. You beat a a ranked Pac-12 team that's as physical as Utah. That's a great win. Yeah, yeah.
1: BYU is definitely on my list, too. They seem to have good games, BYU and Utah, many times. So that was on my list as well. Yes. Um, Oregon being Ohio State, they could have been my most meaningful, uh, meaningful win. They're not. They're just not my best win. But that was a great win for the Oregon uh, team, putting back on the map with that. And then uh, even though Texas was on the worst loss, I had to throw Arkansas on the best win because that's still a good win for them. 2-0 in the SEC. Um, all, I know f- Pig Sui. all I know from the coach uh, when I was watching is that uh, apparently he's like could be the most loved coach ever. I guess everybody loves him. And then number two, he's, lost, he's a big dude. And he's lost like 50 pounds from Keto. That's what I heard on the broadcast. So that's, the, that's what I know about the Arkansas coach.
0: So the Arkansas head football coach, whose name I'll readily admit I don't know off the top of my head, is having one great yes. week.
1: Um, okay, and then your one team from this week had the most meaningful win for that program this week.
0: Yeah, most meaningful win for me was Oregon at Ohio State, and that's because the Pac-12 as a conference has been much maligned by the media, and honestly, probably rightfully so over the last five years. Washington this year is supposed to be a contender. They lost again. You could throw them up there with another bad loss. Uh, SC fell to Stanford. Utah lost to BYU, but Oregon walking into the horseshoe in Columbus and beating the Buckeyes on national TV, that's a huge win for that program and the Pac-12. So with UCLA's win over LSU— Oregon beating Ohio State—that is the type of wins that both those programs and the conference at large have not been winning. So that was huge for Oregon and the Pac. Yeah, that could have
1: easily been the the consensus pick for that as well. I went with Iowa just because of how they won that game.
0: I know Brock Purdy and Iowa State
1: didn't look bad, but that was a huge in-state rivalry game. A uh, big implications. Iowa was eight and zero in 2015, and since then they've been like five and five. They were 6-2 and two last year. So in terms of getting their program right and getting back into the top five, which they will be next week, I believe, uh, that was just a big win for that program. I know you don't like me saying that, but it was for Iowa.
0: It was a big win. It just it pisses me off to no end that they had 173 yards of <laughs> offense and still scored yep. 27 because Iowa State couldn't stop shooting themselves yep. in the foot. But again, I will rant on this later. Uh, yes,
1: you will. And so with that, we will close that box. And that's another edition of Mystery Topics.
0: All right. Great stuff there, Brandon. Good way to lead off the show. Let's get to what everybody wants to talk about. It is week one of the NFL. I'm going to just give us uh, just some quick thoughts on games then turn it over to Brandon. We'll see where the conversation takes us. Brandon, obviously, we've got to start with the opener to the season. Dallas and Tampa Bay. My thoughts. I thought the Cowboys were better than I, they looked. better than I expected. I don't think Dak's arm is fully there yet with arm strength, but he still looked very, very good in that game. Tampa passing game looks great, uh, but to me, the running game and secondary, especially depth in the secondary, look a bit vulnerable. Um, let's see. Let's go to Pittsburgh and Buffalo. Special teams were the final straw uh, for Buffalo with that pump block late in the game. Steelers held Allen in check. I'm double checking. Yeah, I mean, he ended up with 270 yards, but with like prior to the very last drive of the game, he had, I think, 200. 13, 215 yards and one touchdown. So, um, Brandon, let's just, let's start with those two games, Dallas, Tampa Bay, Pittsburgh, Buffalo. Any thoughts on those, or should I keep yeah, going? Yeah, no,
1: uh, just you can't tell me that the NFL is not built on the quarterbacks because the Cowboys with and without Dax, night and day. I mean, they looked good. Dax looked good. I was very impressed with him coming back and how well he looked. And the Cowboys look like they're contenders just based on having Dax back. And the Buccaneers, they returned all 22 people, and they did what they did. And they're still going to be – I thought that was two very good teams that played. I was down on the Cowboys coming in, but after what I saw they did with Dax – Uh, if he stays healthy, they're going to put up points.
0: And you have to think, that Cowboy defense, I know they gave up points, but it is the Tampa Bay offense, which is very, very good. Uh, the Cowboy defense looked better, and even their O-line with missing a key starter, I thought held up pretty well. I mean, Dax Mobility helped, but yeah, Dallas, I mean, neither of us like the Cowboys, but uh, they, in a loss, they looked better than I expected them to. The Steelers' Bills. Uh, what about the Buffalo?
1: Yeah, the Steelers' Bills. Um, yeah, go ahead. Steelers' defense is still really good. I was very impressed with what they did with Josh Allen, that defense. Ben Rossenberg didn't impress me that much. I think that I don't know how, how far—I mean, they started 11-0 last year, and then they fell off a little bit because of Big Ben. I just don't think Big Ben can take him um, where they need to go at his age right now. I think his arm is in question, but that Steelers defense is still very
0: good. Well, and Buffalo can't do this again. You're up 10 nothing. Your defense pitches a shutout in the first half, and your offense comes back and scores six points in the second half, and you give up 17 fourth-quarter points. Like, Buffalo, if you're a serious Super Bowl contender— they can't have a repeat of that. I know the Steelers defense was very good and they did their job today, but Buffalo offense, your defense pitches a shutout like that. You have to take advantage. Agreed. Okay. Then let's go, you know, let's go out to the, uh, go out West, uh, at least look at some, what couple Western teams, Arizona and Tennessee, uh, For all the hype around the Tennessee offense, AJ Brown, who and I still think the Tennessee offense is going to be fine, folks. Let's remember it's Week One. We got a long way to go. Sixteen more games to go with the new schedule this year. But the Tennessee offense really held in check. Um, You know, AJ Brown, Julio Jones didn't really go off that much. Uh, Tannehill looked okay, but, but at the end of the day, with Derrick Henry. Tannehill, Brown, and Jones, that offense put up 13 points. Meanwhile, I'll be the first one. I'll, I'll eat crow this week. I've been very critical of uh, Kingsbury as a head coach on this show. Uh, but man, Arizona answered the bell in dominating fashion. I mean, we we knew there were concerns about the Tennessee defense. I think those were shown to be very, very valid in week one, Brandon. Yeah.
1: Our uh, friend of the show si, has got to be very happy with that week one, because I think that was a statement gate right at the gate with Arizona. Cause Tennessee is considered a playoff team and the win 38, 13 going to Tennessee. Very impressive.
0: Very, very impressive. I completely agree. Um, staying out with not staying out West but with the Western team again, Seattle at Indy was another one that stood out to me this morning, Brandon. Um, Seattle gets the road win, 28-16, which a road win in the NFL is a win. It's, uh, the Seat- what, what stood out to me is actually the Seattle pass rush. If they can consistently play like this, you let Russ cook, Seattle's going to be very dangerous once again. Carson Wentz, I don't know if you watched any of that game, Brandon, but what I saw, it's about what I thought. I'm not ready to drink the Kool-Aid. Frank Reich is trying to sell us on Wentz bouncing back yet. It's one game there's a long way to go. Uh, but I definitely saw some limitations and again the Seattle defense got a couple stops on fourth down uh, and with that receiving core DK and Tyler Lockett had a few big plays and uh, Seattle looked good yeah. what are your thoughts yeah I didn't
1: check it out just looking at the boss score it's just they're the Indianapolis receiving uh leading receivers I know that um their uh number one receiver uh what's his name um T.Y. Hilton yeah, I know he was out so that didn't help but Six catches for Jonathan Taylor. Six catches for Naheen Hines led it. So Carson Wentz just dropping off all game.
0: Uh, yeah, it, it was a lot of dink and dunk, a lot of check down. Um, yeah, I, I mean the best and for that vaunted Colts line, another sign of things to come maybe for Seattle if that D line holds up. Chris Carson was the game's leading rusher, not Jonathan yep. Taylor. So we'll see. We'll see where that takes us. So again, Seattle we know has started hot, and then. Has leveled off in the past but maybe this year's different and also no time for the colts to panic you got a good coach a good old line it's week one with a new qb um how about brandon let's go next to your chargers and the washington football team not the prettiest of games but again traveling all the way coast to coast chargers go out there herbert to me looked pretty confident looked pretty solid from what i watched uh tell us about chargers and the football yeah, team. yeah i mean
1: uh- uh, there's been a little bit back and forth between, like, Herber's going to have, have a very special season, his, his year two, after that magical rookie season. There's other people saying he's going to have a sophomore slump. He, I mean, he looks he looks good, Ben. I mean, he his arm is so strong. He is just throwing balls on a rope effortlessly with precision. I mean, I was – the Washington defense is very good. I mean, they get at it, and he looked – ball was leaving the hands quickly. He was throwing it where he needed to. A couple of receivers made drops. Um, the fact that Chargers went on the road and actually won a game where they – We're dominating, and then Washington came back, and you're like, oh, no, here's the Chargers. This is what they do, and then came back and held them off for a four-point victory. That's a moral victory and a victory for the Chargers. So I I was very impressed with Justin Justin Herbert, and uh, that was good for the Chargers. Uh, For Washington, Fitz leaves after, like, 15 yards with a hip injury. I don't know if it's multiple weeks, but then Washington can be in the the same problem of now they don't have a quarterback. I mean, I know they have Heineken or Heine, whatever his name is, and people like him because he plays hard, but he he plays hard. (laughs)
0: I mean that, and that's great. Now I will say for Washington again. I didn't watch a ton of this game, but I will say the the two or three drives I had on that Washington front four is exactly what we yeah. thought it was. That defense is legit uh, for the char- Chargers to use a term my grandpa used to say, and I I love here using is good old fashioned slobber knocker of a game. Twenty to sixteen, it wasn't pretty, but hey, you get out of there with a win against that defense. You're one and zero and maybe this is we're seeing a sign of what the Chargers can be if that defense stays healthy. Yeah, well, yeah, we'll see. Uh let's uh, uh real quick, right now game that's finishing up and looks like it may Cincinnati's going to have a field goal to attempt to try and win it. Uh but Minnesota and Cincinnati are in overtime. I will, the only thing I want to say about this game, Brandon, is Jamar Chase has taken a lot of flack yeah. on social media for, oh, there's no stripes on the ball, so I can't see and catch it. Folks, he's got five catches, 101 yards, and a touchdown. So Jamar Chase answered the bell. Um And then the last game I want to talk about is the pillow fight of the week, maybe of the year between the Texans and the Jaguars. <laughs> and, oh, my Lord, Brandon, the Texans are not good, and they dominate the Jaguars. The Jaguars <laughs> may be one of the worst teams in NFL history. Yeah, it doesn't
1: look like Trevor Lawrence had that terrible of a game uh, with that. But, yeah, for the t- Texans, I saw I'm like, if the Texans score that much and they're not a good football team whatsoever, that's – yeah, I think they're going to be bad. I think Jets and Panthers are going to be bad. I think with the Jets – um, uh, their rookie quarterback he really struggled I know they said he struggled in the offseason but he really struggled in that game Uh, with that as well
0: yeah the Jets and Panthers like I was listening to someone on the radio go you you know you're gonna see some different things from the Jets They're you know this isn't the the talent void roster it's young they're gonna be better and then in the first, at halftime it's 16 nothing Panthers so I, I don't think Carolina's that good either but uh, you know apparently Sam Darnold in a revenge game for him, got to feel good to beat uh, his former team. Yeah, then
1: adding those teams, I oh. just have to say, uh, the Atlanta Falcons, uh, those fans, um, it's going to be a long year for you. Eagles, I mean, Eagles, Eagles I think, are a middle-of-the-pack team. They're not top 10. I don't think they're bottom 10. And to lose 32-6 at home, uh, you might win two games this year.
0: Yeah, and I'm sorry, you, you have you have Matt Ryan, you have Calvin Ridley, you have Kyle Pitts, and you can't get a single touchdown. The Eagles' defense is not that good, folks. No. It's, it, it just isn't. So, yeah, bad. Looks like uh, Atlanta, whether you want to accept that you're rebuilding or not, you are rebuilding. It's going to get up. Yeah, Matt so. Ryan, 21 of All 35
1: right. for 164 yards. That's 4.7 average per completion. Uh, not going to get the job
0: done. That is not gonna get the job done, but uh yikes. All right, well, other games in the NFL, big afternoon games, Dolphins, Patriots, Packers, Saints, and Broncos, Giants are all happening as we record this. So if you're wondering why aren't we updating you on that, it's because as of us doing this silly little show, none of it's actually happened yet. So, Brandon, let's move in though. Uh let's keep uh let's get real positive, let's get comfortable. You know what, man? Let's get a little weird. What has you feeling satisfied and smiling? Yeah, I mean, I'm a a pretty simple man. I don't
1: have a big one of this
0: week so far. It's really just
1: this weekend of all the sports coming together. I know you've mentioned it before. This is the greatest couple months because you got a lot going on. But this, this weekend really has been the end of the U.S. Open. I've been watching those matches. Um, you, like you mentioned last week, great baseball series with the Giants. The Dodgers. Been watching that going on. Blue Jays have been good. Uh, first week of NFL football. We love fantasy football. Jumping into that. So it's really just been a whole lot of sports on this weekend. Uh, love my wife. She doesn't complain about it. She watches it with me because it really has been just college football Saturday. I mean, it's just been an awesome weekend of sports. I couldn't have been happier. Uh, I'm pretending that tomorrow's not Monday and we're not going back to work because it really has been just great watching this weekend, Phelps.
0: Yeah, I I completely agree. Just like you want to be entertained by sports. What sport do you want to be entertained? It's like an on-demand weekend. What do I want to watch and enjoy? It's all out there. So I completely agree. It's such a a great time of year, good time to be doing this podcast too. Uh, what has me feeling satisfied and smiling? Uh, not much this week. I'm going to be honest. Iowa State really took the wind out of the sails. But before that debacle, I'm not going to rant on Iowa State yet. It's coming. hope it's not disappointing as much as I built it up. But <laughs> I will say yesterday, as horribly as it ended with another Cyclone letdown and a lot of adult beverages, uh, my wife took my toddler in the morning to her cross-country meet. My wife is an assistant cross-country coach. Uh, So it was my seven-year-old daughter and I on our own to have a daddy-daughter morning. We went to breakfast together. We watched Chelsea play Aston Villa. She was into the game. She was cheering, asking questions, and we just had a great time watching that together. From the moment that my oldest child was born, I have been waiting for days like this, Brandon, where we can sit and enjoy sports together. Um I love answering her many questions. Seeing her face when she gets excited over the same things I do, um, mornings like I got to have yesterday are the absolute best part of being a dad. And thanks for watching with me. I love you, kiddo.
1: Yes, I I, I cannot wait for that day. That sounds awesome.
0: It trust me, it's it can't even describe how how positive I was feeling until one thirty yesterday. But let's. Uh, Let's get to Major League Baseball, the latest there. Brandon, I've got a few quick hitters, uh, as I've done the last couple weeks. We'll keep this going. Uh, We'll have our in memoriam of playoff-eliminated teams, but more on that later. So, Brandon, uh, this is from Sarah Langs of MLB.com and the Elias Sports Bureau. Saw this and had to share. Uh, On Saturday, September 11th, Corbin Burns and Josh Hader combined to throw a no-hitter against Cleveland. The Brewers' first no-no since 1987. No-hitters are fun, Brandon, but that's not what makes this really interesting. Cleveland was no-hit for the third. Yes, third time this season. Three times in one season, marking the first time in MLB history that a team has been no-hit three times in a single season. Also, by the way, Cleveland didn't record a hit in a seven-inning game versus Tampa on July 7th, but MLB doesn't count that as a no-hitter. But that still is not the most interesting part of all this. For those three no-hitters that MLB recognizes this year, Zach Plesak was the starting pitcher for Cleveland in all Three of them. That has never happened in MLB history to one pitcher in one season. In fact, Jim Perry is the only other pitcher in Major League Baseball history to have been on the wrong side of three no hitters. But that was over the course of his entire career. Wow. Yeah,
1: yeah. It's a, that's a such an anomaly. Weird. Just sports are just weird. we were just talking about that yesterday. Sports are just stupid. It just doesn't make sense of. Zach, please, Zach. It has nothing to do with Black, Black. Zach, please, Zach. Like you said, he just happens to be on the mound for three no hitters against him. It's like it's crit. The, the universe just aligns for Zach, please, Zach,
0: Apparently, yeah, Zach. You are no matter how well you pitch. The best thing that's happening to you today is a no decision. <laughs> like, Sorry, how, bud. How do you like if you're Zach, please,
1: Zach, You just think you're just like that's just <laughs> we got no hit again. And I was pitching, that's just so weird.
0: You honestly have to think kind of back to the major league with Bob Euchre going, we got what one, one GD hit. That's all we got. <laughs> <laughs> and Zach please, I please, going to be like, we can't get one hit guys. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Oh, all right. Next one. Brandon, we could spend an entire podcast, probably multiple episodes, on the crazy stats and things Shohei Otani is doing as a two-way player this year. But I wanted to throw one in particular out there as this is very rare. This is from Jason Stark's article weekly article on uh the athletics. So don't want to take credit for me finding this stat. This is from Jason Stark. But Otani has 40 home runs and 20 steals. So he's he has more than 40, but for, he's in the 40-20 club, along with being a pitcher this season. He's the only one in history to go 40-20 and pitched even one time in a single season. Yeah. Along with Otani, there is another member, though, of the 20 home run, 20 stolen base pitching in the same season club. And shame on you if you don't know this, folks. It was Buck freeman of The Washington Senators way back in 1899, the only other player to go 2020 and pitch in a season. By the way, Freeman in 1899 hit 25 home runs, stole 21 bases, and pitched all of seven innings. If you're wondering about Babe Ruth, Otani could join him in the 50 home run, 15 stolen base pitcher club if he hit seven more home runs this season. In 1921, Ruth hit 59, stole 17, and pitched in nine innings. Just, I, I don't even know. There's no superlatives for what Oztanis doing. Yeah, it's just, we're no. we're literally seeing a unicorn. We
1: are. I mean, I just, I yeah, I don't know. When I I never thought he would be doing what he's doing. I don't think anybody really thought he would be doing this. He finally stayed healthy. He's had a couple years of experience under his belt, and there's not a, a, there's there's not a lot of time I'm speechless over a player, but I'm pretty speechless of what he's doing. That's pretty crazy.
0: Yeah, you hear those numbers. It's like, oh, the, we this is a game that's been around since the 1800s, and literally no one has done this before. It's just, it, it, it's just sit back and enjoy it, folks. That's all, all I can say at this point. Uh, and our last quick hitter, Brandon, Vlad Jr. has 43 home runs, and Marcus Simeon has 39 headed into Sunday's games. Uh, if Simeon hits one more home run this season, it would mean the Blue Jays' entire right side of the infield has two 40 home run hitters. When was the last time or last season a team had both their first baseman and second baseman hit 40 home runs in the same season? Never. The 2002 Yankees came the closest, and that's only if you count home runs hit as uh, a DH, when Jason Giambi hit 41 and Alfonso Soriano hit 39. So Simeon gets one more, yet one more thing we've never seen in baseball. Yeah, I mean,
1: Simeon's been on a tear tear recently as well. You're not surprised with those two guys getting hot and staying hot that they've been 9-1 and the last 10 because, who man, that's... they All of a sudden, I, I, know, I know we'll get into it, but all of a sudden, they're creeping into the wild card race, which is, we thought they weren't going to make it, and, man, with those bats, they could be a little dangerous. So, yeah, it's, it's fun, people. It's fun.
0: For sure. More on that, and before we get back to Toronto, I will just say, how many weeks on this show have I been saying Toronto should be winning more? It makes no sense, and now they are. So, vindication for yours truly, uh, let's get now to the the last week in baseball. And if you're listening right now, you hear a new song in the background, folks. And that's because last week in memoriam, we paid our respects to Pittsburgh, Arizona, Baltimore, and Texas as they were officially eliminated from playoff contention. This week, I'd like to say it brings me no joy, but it does actually bring me some joy with one of these teams because the Chicago Cubs and the Colorado Rockies Cubs and Rockies fans, your playoff dreams are officially dead. The Cubs and Rockies have been officially eliminated, and those franchises can now focus on the off season. Your playoff run is over. R.I.P. 2021 playoffs for the Rockies and the Cubs. <laughs> Thank you for playing. We oh goodness. Next year. I- We'll see you next year. Have fun uh, playing for pride down the stretch these last few weeks. All right. Now, as for teams that are still alive, looking back at last week to update the playoff race, Brandon, I as we just talked about it, but I think we have to start with Toronto. Mm-hmm. Since a loss to Detroit on Friday, August 27th, Toronto's won 13 of 15 games, including eight in a row from September 1st to September 9th. Amazingly, they've only closed the gap in the division race from 13 and a half games back of Tampa to 10. Sunday's outcomes, but the good news for the Blue Jays: the Yankees have slumped in large part because Toronto swept those Yankees this week in a four-game series in the Bronx, and Toronto finds themselves tied for the second wild card spot and only one game behind Boston for the first wild card spot as we head into Sunday's games. Brandon, we talk about their lineup raking a lot, and but we also should mention. Robbie Ray, Ryu, and Jose Bar- Barrios have pitched really, really well, especially Robbie Ray. Robbie Ray is having the kind of year that is going to get him paid in the offseason. Uh, I've been on the Blue Jays constantly on this podcast. Brandon, I love their chances for it, and I love what you said. Like, uh, Not only are they in the wild card hunt right now, but if they get in the playoffs, they could do some serious damage while they're there.
1: Yeah. Uh, I didn't think they are going to do it. The, 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 I'm pulling up the stats here. That division is just insane. I mean, it just has taken off. You're going to have, or you could have potentially have four teams in that division with 85 wins when it's all said and done. We have, what, two and a half weeks of the season left? Is that what we have left? Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, about two and a half. Yeah, so, man, that division is, that's that's the division to keep your eye on because that's going to be your winner and your wild card uh, two spots as well. The question is who's going to close out the season well and take them.
0: Yeah, well, in between Boston, New York, and Toronto, I mean, assuming things stay as there, one of those teams could win, you know, 85, 87, 88 games and be left out of the playoffs. But you know what? That's part of what I love about baseball. It's going to be a compelling race, and thankfully, we are over the next few weeks, those teams play each other quite a bit. That's why we need to expand the playoffs. Expand the playoffs. Get them all in. No. (laughs) Stab it. Stab it.
1: Yeah, so Yankees, I'm going to pull up the Yankees here. They got... uh, so obviously they got the Mets, and then they have one game with the Twins, Baltimore, Cleveland, Rangers. I mean, those three series should be winnable series because then they end with Red Sox and Blue Jays, so you got to get the wins there before you go to, you go to Red Sox and you go to uh, b-
0: uh, the Blue Jays. so well, and t- for Toronto speaking of schedules, I mean they have one series with Tampa, or, I'm sorry, two series with Ooh. Tampa, one with the Yankees, so those Ooh. three are tough, but they play minnesota twice and then baltimore on the last the last series of the regular season so it's it's complete opposite ends of the yeah. spectrum for toronto yeah. but if they you know s- just survive against the good teams and beat up on minnesota and baltimore they're going to get there
1: yeah this, it's going to be it's going to be a great end to the year with some of these teams
0: which is also why you shouldn't expand the playoffs because these weeks matter and are so fun because not everybody gets in no one can take their foot off the gas yet nope Makes it great. All right. Uh, speaking of the of the East, the last thing I'll say there, Brandon, before we move to the rest of the American League. Uh Boston technically leads the wild card race, but it's only by one game headed into today's games. And Chris Sale tested positive for COVID, mm-hmm. so he's likely going to miss ten days, according to MLB.com. That's a significant blow for Boston's cause because you're looking at you're gonna miss two starts from sale. Yeah. Not a good time of year for that to happen. No. Not at all. Oh, all right, so let's move now to the rest of the American League, uh, probably basically wild card picture, because let's be honest, the AL Central and AL West, Brandon, Chicago, and Houston are going to win those divisions, although technically Oakland and Seattle are hanging around, but I don't think either of them are catching Houston. So as far as the wild card goes, Brandon, uh, Oakland got a huge series win against the White Sox this week. They need to take advantage of a stretch where on Sunday they have one more game against Texas, then they play Kansas City and the Angels. If they're going to come out of this slump that they've been in at the end of August and early September here, got to take advantage on this stretch. Uh, Seattle's hanging around though. They were a 10 inning loss to uh, Houston on Tuesday night away from winning that series, but they rebounded with wins over Arizona and remain two games behind the Yankees and the Blue Jays. Brandon, I don't think the A's or the Mariners are going to overtake Toronto, New York, Boston. But, hey, two games is only two games, so I guess anything's possible, Yeah, anything's
1: possible. I don't think so either, Um, but anything's possible, like you said.
0: Yeah. So now let's go over to the National League, and not just starting with them because because it's my team, Uh, but St. Louis is one we have to look at this week. Brandon and I both said last week, if the Cardinals, this last gasp of hanging around the postseason race is going to happen, all their hopes hinged on, This week, you're playing the Dodgers and the Reds. You have to find some way to have a winning record this week. And as of a few minutes ago, Brandon, uh, the Cardinals did beat the Reds 2-0. So they win that series against Cincinnati. They split with the Dodgers after dropping the first two, they came back and won the next two. So uh, all in all for St. Louis, a successful week. Again, I still don't have a lot of faith that they're going to get there, but the bottom line is they did what they had to do this week to stay in the hunt. Brandon, the Reds have blown huge, huge opportunities to take control. They've now lost three straight series to Detroit, the Cubs and the Cardinals. Louis, or San Diego headed into today's game was tied with Cincinnati for the second wild card spot. All of Padre Nation, I assume, is very thankful for St. Louis winning today. San Diego's lost two in a row and has gone 5-5 five and five over the last 10. We've talked about these three teams a lot. Not a whole lot has changed other than they just keep taking turns, not taking charge in the race. So I don't have anything else to say on that. Brandon, you got anything more on the three teams that we just keep trying to pass the wild card? Yeah, no, around? my
1: my high-level expertise was just going to be that. Cincinnati lost 10, 4, and 6 uh St. Louis 5 and 5 and the Padres 5 and 5 so they're just they're all just giving each other an edge I guess I don't know they're all I don't know I, I no no one is taking lead like we said they just keep blowing they keep blowing games against teams they shouldn't lose and uh then they win some games and they're all about the same so we'll see well,
0: well cuz even honestly the Reds the Cardinal bullpen coughed up game 1 of that series that should have been a sweep by St. Louis or very easily could have been and uh, and you get you get dominated by John Lester and jay Half I mean I I don't know I don't know what to make of any of these teams so we'll we'll see uh staying in the NL Atlanta is in a similar boat to St. Louis they didn't have a stellar week record rise record wise but they did have a winning record they've given themselves a little bit more breathing room as Philadelphia scuffled they were down to a two game lead it's back to three and a half could be four after today so I think you know just a little bit of writing of the ship uh, we should also mention Brandon and Landa did you know the uh, at the tra- their trades with Jorge Soler and um, and Adam Duval I believe Duvall, yeah. Uh if Soler gets one more home run, that will be two outfielders they traded for from the, at the deadline that each hit ten home runs down the stretch for them. That would be a first in a long time in Major League Baseball. So just an inter- another interesting odd number with the Braves there. Yeah, that's um, awesome. I, I it, yeah. Do you? I mean, do you think though? I, just realistically, and again, we've talked about this before, we're kind of broken records, but I still want to update things weekly as things potentially change. I still, even though the lead isn't big, I still just don't see anybody overtaking Atlanta in the next two and a half weeks. No,
1: Philadelphia is late in eight with their last 10, three and seven, of The last 10, just when we we're talking, giving Philadelphia love and respect the last week, two weeks about them uh, going with Atlanta head to head, they just go ahead and decide to take a giant poop on their bed as well.
0: Yeah. Well, and they did it today. I mean, Philly at home against Colorado who can't win games on the road. You lose five to four while the Braves take care of business against the Marlins. Both of those games are final. So yeah, it's a four game. It's either four or four and a half game lead for Atlanta. Uh, yeah, I just, I, sorry, Bryce Harper's having an MVP caliber year, but he, he needs some more help and I just don't think he's going to get it. Uh, wrapping this part of the show up out West, the Giants have regained the NL West lead by two games as they've won six in a row. Uh, can also thank the Cardinals for taking two from the Dodgers this week. Uh, that Those two, I still think, are the best two teams in the NL, but there's your update. The Giants have won six in a row and keep winning, and I still think the Dodgers will be fine.
1: Regardless of uh, records in the National League, There's st- most the majority of the National League teams are still playing for something, though. Mets may be 71 and 72, and, but they're only five and a half games out in that division. There's two and a half weeks left. Crazier things have happened. I know we're not saying the Mets are going to take that division, but they're still in play. They're not eliminated yet. So really, you have, like, Atlanta, Philadelphia, Mets playing meaningful games. Uh, Cincinnati, St. Louis still playing meaningful games. Uh, San Francisco, Dodgers, San Diego still playing meaningful games. So there's still a lot of meaningful games that are going to happen in the next two and a half weeks to check out.
0: Oh, 100%. In the Mets case, I mean, I know it sucks if you're a Mets fan listening, but what if if DeGrom had come back? I mean, him alone might push you back into this race and then Syndergaard. we've never seen him this year. We thought maybe July, then it was maybe August and now who knows. So I mean Milwaukee is uh, the
1: quietest 89 and 55 team I've ever heard and I mean they're almost at 90 wins and nobody talks about Milwaukee.
0: And they've won 5 in a row. They had the walk-off granny against the Cardinals to end the week last week. Uh don't look now too the uh their run differential Outside of San Francisco and the Dodgers, who are just insane in that regard, but you know Milwaukee is plus one thirty-seven yeah, now. that's good. That's real good. I mean, yeah, I mean they're start they're starting to hit. And what's really interesting looking at just looking at Milwaukee's numbers, they're forty and thirty-one at home. Okay, nine games over, but they are forty-nine and twenty-four in road games. Like that, that's something maybe to watch in the postseason. Milwaukee does not seem phased home away wherever. Because right? guess what, pitching travels, boys and girls.
1: Yeah, Dodgers are a ridiculous. Plus two twenty six. They're the only ones in the two hundreds, and they're plus two twenty six. Yeah. That's ridiculous.
0: It's it's not even fair. Um, and again, this is why baseball's weird. Sports are dumb, kids. Uh, the Dodgers are plus two twenty six, and they're in yeah. second place in their division. Doesn't make sense. So does not. Um, okay, let's look at to wrap baseball up this week. Uh, we have big series coming up, as we always do this time of year. But what you should have your eye on starting Monday, take a break from Monday Night Football and at least keep an eye on what's going on here. Tampa travels to Toronto in a huge series for the Blue Jays uh, to hang in that wild card race. The Padres go to San Francisco in a series. I think this is one they desperately have to figure out. you got to find a way to get two out of three from the Giants. And then the Red Sox go to the Mariners. Again, Mariners, similar to the Padres, you probably got to win two out of three to hang around and really put yourself in good position in the wild card race. Uh, nothing great going on midweek in terms of, you know, good matchups, still big games that matter. But then Friday, we get Padres at Cardinals, which could be a playoff knockout series if one team sweeps the other um Dodgers at the Reds which again Cincinnati you got to find a way to get through this week and not get swept by the Dodgers and then the Braves travel to San Francisco potentially opening the door for Philadelphia if they can get right so a lot of good ones Brandon at least for me I'm looking at um Padres Cardinals and then Rays Blue Jays those are the two that I am really really interested to watch this week yeah
1: I, I I agree with you on that uh uh just to wrap up my end, I think just giving Max Scherzer that trade deadline accusation acquisition, maybe one of the best pitchers traded to a team all time. I mean, he, since he went with the Dodgers, Ben, he's five and zero, one point zero five ERA, sixty three Ks, twelve point six K to one walk ratio. He has been nothing short of excellence.
0: Yeah, he has been um, without a doubt one of the best uh, trade deadline acquisitions ever. Uh, and again, I gave with from the, on the offensive side the Braves quirky stat one of the only teams that could have two players hit ten home runs after getting traded at the deadline. Yeah, line. Trevor so, Bauer a lot of,
1: Trevor Bauer who?
0: Exact. Oh, I mean plus two twenty six run differential. They're on pace to win hundred games. Uh, Trevor who? Trevor who? And um, we, got, we can
1: say again, U- <laughs> Urias, Urias, Julio Urias. I mean, he won again. He's seventeen and three as their third starter with like a two something ERA.
0: And he is such a Swiss army knife weapon, too, in the playoffs. He's been a reliever. He's started. He's just effective wherever he throws. Very, very, um, I don't want to say undervalued, because I think people in baseball understand how valuable he is. But he's not talked about a lot, for sure, and probably should be. He just gets lost in that rotation of stars out in L.A. So, All right, let's get a little bit angry here. Brandon, we're going to start with you, because, spoiler alert, mine's going to go for a while today, and it's yeah. going to get loud. So, Brandon... What grinds your gears? Yeah, am not
1: long. i like to get to the point. It's just time to talk about it. We, it's, it's been the entire baseball season almost, and it hasn't been mentioned. Um, but just Alex Rodriguez on Sunday Night Baseball. Why do we need it? Why does it have to happen? I get that. They like to bring former players in because it gives them more of the insight. They play the game. They know what it's about. But, I mean, Alex Rodriguez, his insight's not great. He states the obvious. He loves everybody. I've never heard him say a bad thing about anybody. He loves Everybody. He has bash analytics because he doesn't understand how it works either. He's one of those people. Um, like, he just needs to fill the silence, and I despise that. Like, you don't need to just fill, fill in the silence of saying something about bunting or that you like this player or you like that player. In fact, my dad doesn't really does not like very many people, but he texted me a couple of weeks ago just saying Alice Rodriguez is the worst announcer, and he looks for other ways to watch Sunday Night Baseball besides the national broadcast because he himself, my father, cannot stand Alice Rodriguez. So I don't get it. I don't get why people like him. If they do like him, I, j- I cannot just stand him as an announcer. He's just, I don't know. I mean, you feel the same way. What's your take on Alice Rodriguez, Ben?
0: My take is that if your father, who is legitimately like one of the nicest people I've ever met, is saying, I can't stand A-Rod, and I want to find another way to watch this game, that tells me I'm not overreacting when I say, yeah, (laughs) A-Rod is absolutely terrible at the job. And he is. He hates analytics. Well, guess what I hate? A-Rod is steroid users. There's a whole documentary on Netflix about the guy who supplied you. So uh, please go away. It feels like every time A-Rod's on the mic he's just desperate for the whole room to love him and <laughs> yes. uh sorry we don't that's how he talks. we don't he's just desperate
1: the whole world and and like he was like complaining about small ball the other week and I was like when's the last time you even put a bunt down when you were playing
0: Well yeah or or with two strikes shortened up to just flip it over the uh first baseman's head and keep the like whatever man I just, yeah All right A-Rod so is that 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 that's my uh,
1: my uh Grinds up hot takes of A-Rod is the worst announcer in baseball.
0: Okay. I'm I'm gonna try to be All brief right. with this, but let's cue it up
1: for your <sighs> Iowa State.
0: I don't know, keep it close. What grinds my gears this week is Iowa State Cyclone Football. I am just over another year with this team finding new ways to beat itself. 20. 20 starters back, Brandon. Some people even say 21, depending on what formation we're in. 20 starters on offense and defense, Brandon. This was supposed to be it. The preseason hype was there. The recognition from the media with the number seven national ranking. Supposedly an elite QB with a great defense. Guess what? Matt Campbell is now 7-12 at Iowa State in games in September. He's 0-6 versus Iowa. Look. Matt Campbell has done things no one else could dream of doing at Iowa State. But how is it possible that in six years his staff can't figure out how to have this team ready to play in September? How? Look, if Iowa State lost to Iowa because Iowa was actually better, that's fine. It's annoying because I don't like the Hawkeyes, but I'm not mad about it. But I am so sick of this stupid program, quote-unquote, cycloning it. They held Iowa to 173 yards of total offense, and the Hawkeyes still scored 27 points because Iowa State could not stop turning the damn ball over. Three picks by the single most overrated quarterback in college football, Brock Purdy, and a fumble by Brees Hall. That too, Brute, that means even you, Brutus, Fumble by Brees Hall for a scoop and score for Iowa. Another loss, another time game day's there. And of course, Iowa State looks like Iowa State on national television. Two games, two games so far this season, Brandon, Brock Purdy has led the offense on exactly two touchdown drives. I shouldn't be surprised. I really shouldn't. Expecting Iowa State football to not snatch defeat from the jaws of victory is as foolish as expecting American Airlines to get you to your destination anywhere close to on time, Cyclone football grinds my gears. I'm just gonna stop there. I just have to be done.
1: The uh the fact that Campbell can't beat Iowa is like how Michigan can't beat Ohio State with uh with their coach uh Harbaugh. Harbaugh. I mean, it's just yeah, it's 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 infuriating, right? It's infuriating if you're one of those two fan bases. They can't get over that hump. And uh, I don't know who was saying Brock Purdy is an elite quarterback because anybody who watches those games can see that he definitely um, uh, hinders them. He brings them back a little bit. Some of his throws are just
0: questionable, and he doesn't seem to have the quite the arm strength that you need. No, not at all. And the, the frustrating thing for Iowa State, too, I think it's crazy to say this, but even more so than Michigan and Ohio State, like Iowa State, especially the last two times they've played Iowa, Iowa doesn't have a better roster with more yeah. talent. They don't. Yeah. And Iowa State just fine. We had your your punt return blocker trying to account for the gunner took out your returner and caused a fumble that handed Iowa the game. You had Brock Purdy slip because he couldn't run straight on some wet grass. Then this year four turnover. It's it's just one thing after another, and I just my poor liver because of <laughs> Iowa State football. All right. Gotta love sports, uh, people. Thank you for indulging me, everyone. And I hope uh, me screaming into a microphone... Made someone laugh a little bit and smile, but let's get to happier things. Brandon, what do you got for trivia and facts? Okay, for us this with
1: week? college football uh, kicking off last week, I did some untouchable college football records. With NFL kicking off this week, I got some untouchable NFL records. Maybe so, uh, Phelps. I'm going to give you seven here. Tell me, you know, which one you think uh, is probably the most un or most breakable? Tell me which one you think is probably the most breakable with this. So, uh, okay, we have Derek Thomas who had seven sacks in one game back in I think in like 1990. Uh, Jerry Rice, I think we can both believe that his career receiving yards, which is 22,815, is probably unbreakable. Um, Isaac Bruce is the second on that list with 14,944. So just think about that, people. That's how good Jerry Rice was. There's like an 8,000-yard difference between the first and second spot. That's, that's unreal. That's unreal.
0: And it was in an era when you could drag a receiver down to the ground as long as as it was within five yards. Can you imagine what he would do today? Oh my... Oh my gosh! The separation. It would be stupid.
1: It would be stupid. A hundred percent. Brett consecutive starts at 309. The second uh, with that would be Payne Manning with 210. So uh, we have that. Uh, next we have Dick Night Train uh, Lane. Dick Night Train Lane with 14 interceptions in 12 games. Only he did that. So uh, with that, uh, Don Shula' career wins 347. The most active is Billy B, and he has like 147 active wins right now. So that looks pretty untouchable. Right with that. Uh, Dallas Cowboys had 20 consecutive winning seasons from, like, the 60s to the 80s. And then the Buffalo Bills four straight uh, trips to the Super Bowl, four straight losses. Will that ever
0: be done again? So which
1: one of those records would you say is the most breakable?
0: The most breakable. Um, What was the Peyton Manning one again? Uh, It
1: was that Brett Favre consecutive starts was 309. The second place is Peyton Manning with
0: 210. Okay. Okay. I— I don't think this is an extremely breakable record, but only because of how often teams throw the ball. Now I'm, I don't think it will be broken, but of all those great ones you just gave us, those are some great numbers, by the way. Um, I think the Derek Thomas, the sacks and a half. I don't think anyone will do it, but just, again, supply and demand there. There's so many more dropbacks in today's NFL. Uh, that might be the one that's breakable. I don't think 14 picks in 12 games is happening. That That's a crazy No, it's just, It too. would just be
1: like a season. So he had 14 picks in a season, but he only played 12 games. So like, I think sure. that if we're going to a longer schedule, can somebody in 18 games break 14 interceptions? The fact that he set 14 Possibly. interceptions in only 12 games is impressive. But it's that that's the season yeah. that's the season record right now. A, a couple of people yeah, have so had thirteen, but no one has broken fourteen yet.
0: So I would go then, yeah, with the interceptions, but if we really look at the record and say, hey, you had two more interceptions than season games played, I don't think anyone's gonna do yeah. that. That part No, of no, it. no, I agree with that. All right. Good stuff there. Good show this week. Sorry uh that you all had to listen as I had my druthers as I complain about cyclone football cycloning and again but we love bringing you this show we will be back to talk more sports next monday you can always find us on twitter again at the nri podcast all likes shares subscribes and word of mouth recommendations are appreciated we want to grow the audience and try to uh get some more listeners so please continue to share uh our show with people you know uh brandon it's been fun have a great week my friend please take us out yes
1: thank you everybody for being here
0: We always love and appreciate that. We will see you next week. Have a great
1: week, everybody.